All right, we're recording. So now it's real. It's real now. It's happening. Oh my God, Jen. I know. You know why? Because I see us right now. (laughs) I know. I see us too. And we look amazing. It's so good to see you. (laughs) It's so good to see you. I miss you. How are you? I miss you. I'm good. I'm good. I, uh, I put on makeup for you and I straighten my hair for you. I mean, I, I don't remember the last time someone's done that for me. <laughs> so it's been I, appreci- quite some time. I appreciate the love. Oh, we got comments. Oh, oh Jamie says hello. Yay, Jamie, you're with Hi, us Jamie. tonight. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about you. Um, and then Jennifer. Hi, Jen. Well, it's Jennifer and Jennifer. It's amazing. Oh, my God. This is so fun. So let me be the first to welcome you to Friday Night Feels, because this is the real shit. This is the real shit, and I'm so pumped. Uh, so this is how it rolls, you know, like all the cool kids, you know, we're, we're still in a pandemic. I don't know if you knew. I think I knew. Um, <laughs> well, it's like every time I open the news, it's like something different, so I don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> I feel like I open the news and it's the same thing every time. You know, someone sent me this thing where it was a meme where it was that red line that says warning or update, and then it goes, what the F now? And I'm like, exactly, (laughs) exactly. That's how I feel about the news right now. Yeah. So how, how are you doing? So, you know, for people who are watching, this is my good friend, Jen, who um, has a private practice in Amherst, New York, Mm -hmm. and is an amazing counselor. And you... You specialize in addictions, mental health, trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, what you, but you also work with some other specialty groups, correct? Um, sort of, sort okay. of. So I do two things. I, in addition to having my private practice, where I actually I have one kid that I was seeing, like a nine-year-old girl. Um, so I've done a little bit with kids, uh, but I also work for an agency. Uh, in the mental health department. So I do outpatient, like community mental health counseling. We work a lot with like mood disorders, personality disorders. I do have a lot of experience in addiction as well. And obviously trauma, since you're my EMDR consultant. (laughs) (laughs) With EMDR. And you know, it's, it's interesting. This is, you know, one, one thing that, you know, people don't talk about is I think when you're in this field and you're younger, I think people really sometimes question, do you have the experience? Do you, you know, are you all of this? Mm-hmm. I, have you ever experienced that? I have. I have. I've definitely experienced that. Um, I experienced that more a couple years ago at my first job out of grad school. I've, I had gotten people who like asked me how old I was, uh, asked me like more personal questions, just kind of like the underlying tone, you know, is do you really have the experience to guide me here? Mm-hmm. So I've definitely experienced that. Not in a few years though, which right. I'm grateful for. And you know, when I was an intern and when I started, when I was doing my graduate work and then when I first entered the field, I, I, I and I can understand and I think people have every right to question and ask, you know, sometimes there are those boundary crossings. Yeah. But you know, the, the reason I ask is because getting to know you, for example, you know, your clinical skills are just exceptional. Oh, thanks. And I just, I'm just thinking of, you know, how, you know, people have a hard time finding someone. And, you know, you and I are both in New York, but, you know, different yeah. areas. Right. But, you know, being able to look, um, you know, and know someone, it's like, 
that's in the field. And, you know, I think from what I've gotten to know of getting to know you of just really being able to connect with your clients and, you know, I, I think you just blow me away. And I think your clients are probably love working with you. Oh, this is so lovely. You're the we, well, <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things too of, you know, when you're in the field, you never really hear a lot of feedback. You, you hear pretty much how like, you know, at least in the clinic world, like what you're not getting the numbers, you know, ever. Uh, so we're screwed, we're screwed from birth. <laughs> okay. But, you know, being able to look at that because, you know, um, I feel that being especially trauma-informed with everything going on, I think if you're not trauma-informed, and when Jamie was on, you know, and she can probably check into this, being able to say, if you're not trauma-informed, it's holding you back in the mental health field. Yeah. And it's holding you back specifically also in the addiction field. I, I don't know if you agree with that. 100, 100%. I would agree with that. Absolutely. So I just wanted to let you know, a couple of people or a few people are saying hello. So Livy is saying hi. Sherry L is saying hi, Ben. That's my mom. Oh, hi, Sherry. I know you don't know me, but <laughs> your oh lovely daughter. <laughs> um, Amy is saying hello, my, my EMDR lovies. Hi, Amy. Jamie's there. Susan. Hi, Susan. Marianne M. Hi. It's, you know, good for all of you to join us. We're so glad you're here. So, you know, going back to that of being able to see, you know, when you're, when you're in this field, and I think it's so different, you, you know, from you and I entered in it, you know, like for me, it wasn't that, that long ago, and I don't know how long you've been at, it's changed significantly. Absolutely. When I was in grad school, there was no that I recall, um, no real, there was no class on trauma. Mm -hmm. PTSD was just a diagnosis that you learned about. Mm -hmm. And I think when I entered the field that really set me up as a deficit as a therapist. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think I got a good amount of trauma training in my undergraduate which is my bachelor's in social work, that program was at Malloy College and that's on Long Island. And I have to tell you, that program set me up wow. for true success. Um, I had taken a few classes specifically focused on trauma, like some of my professors, their research areas were solely on trauma. Um, but I know that that's a common thing for people in grad school or in internships a lot of times you don't really get that trauma informed training or trauma training period yes and i think it's so important and especially when it comes to addiction i do think that that is exceptionally important and it's not always there unfortunately i know it's it's amazing to me because i used to teach in a human service department uh at a school and there was no nothing in the curriculum about trauma mm -hmm. And I'm just thinking, you know, these, these people are coming into this field. They, they're doing it because they, they want to help people. They want to do that. But I think even if you don't necessarily want to specialize in trauma, understanding, you know, that it's a huge component of what happens to us. And, and what I, you know, what I've seen in my experiences is, you know, when people hear trauma and PTSD, the instant connection is to soldiers and 9-11 and car accidents and immediate death mm -hmm. 
And I think one of the things that I found to be so powerful is when you can really expand that definition of trauma, that it is, that is a, a wound, emotional, psychologically, physical, spiritual. Mm-hmm. And then I think when people get that, and I don't know what you find, mm-hmm. you really start seeing some movement in therapy. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I agree with that wholeheartedly because I think a lot of times the immediate thought are those, you know, stereotypical traumas, right? That everybody immediately jumps to. And I have to tell you that when, when Jamie taught about kind of like that root, the root of trauma, the word is really a wound. Right. um, That made so much sense to me and presenting it like that to clients, to patients, I think makes it a lot easier to like digest even talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, that, that resonated with me so much. So thanks Jamie for that. <laughs> <laughs> we love you. So I just want to let you know real quick. Um, you know, a few people are saying hello. Um, Christine Chapman, do you know, is that, I don't, I don't know. She's saying hello. Catherine is saying hello. Sherry. Oh, hi. She's saying hi to me now. I feel special. <laughs> you should feel special. You are special. I do. Moms have that magic. Um, Elizabeth Elizabeth B. is saying, I'm from the 716, Jen. Woo! 716. Yay. I don't know what that means, but it's a good thing. That's the area code here. Oh, oh, oh. okay. Sorry. See, I'm out of the loop. I'm out of the loop. I'm only recently in the loop. (laughs) I'm a 518 guy. Sorry, guys. Um, I'm a true 516 girl, though. (laughs) Let's just go to Long Island. <laughs> we, and we have to talk about Long Island after because I've heard some rumor, like food rumors. We got to talk about food. Um, Harlan says, hi, Jen. You look That's great. My dad. dad, Marlene, and Ethan. That's my dad. Hi, Sam. Um, Elizabeth is saying, hi, Patrick. <laughs> Give Sally my best. My dog, she's neglected. Um, <laughs> Don't say that. Well, she's just You're like, not. you're not paying attention to me. So um, Livy says, I feel like everyone has trauma of some kind. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and Jamie's saying you're welcome and that she loves us both as well. Yeah. So, and I think Livy brings up a point of saying everyone has, has trauma of some kind. And yeah. what I see is, you know, there's almost that comparison syndrome that people get into is my pain you see kind of two ends of the spectrum. My pain is worse than anyone else's and no one knows what it is. And that kind of keeps them stuck in their pain. Yeah. And then the other people who say, well, I'm going to compare my pain to someone else's. Other people have it much, much worse. Mm-hmm. And so my pain, I should just, I should just suck it up. Yes. Or I should just like get over it. Get over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it's such a great point. And at the end of the day, I always like to say, you know, like how you hear people say it could always be worse. It could always be worse. I like to think of it as it could always just be different. Yes. What's hard for you might not be as difficult for me and vice versa. You know, what's, what's hard for someone might not be hard for you, but what's really hard for you might not be so hard for someone else. And I think it's so important to not compare because when we compare, we literally isolate ourselves. Yes. You know, and we validate then, ourselves. Right, right. And then no healing can really happen when we do that. Nope. It's interesting. I read this really cool article on the dangers of fake positivity and spiritual bypassing. Interesting. I'm going to need you to send that to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do that. We'll talk. We'll talk. <laughs> so being able to look at, you know, and the, the article is so, so beautifully written about... Yeah 
honoring that people have different struggles that have different things going on and um, being able to look at that fake positivity or that the spiritual bypass, and I'm sure you've heard this in your experiences, is um, it is what it is. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I've shared with my clients that I, I really hate that saying because it is what it is. Some things it, it pertains to, but your pain, your suffering, let's, let's honor what it is and let's name what it is. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, someone, Destiny is saying, hey, I'm Canadian. <laughs> uh oh. I could, <laughs> she has postal codes here, like in Canada. So, like, she tops 518. Whoa. I would get really confused with that. I would get so confused. Yeah. So, people are saying Megan and Christy and Jennifer are all saying fake positivity equals so negative and toxic. And I, but I also think we're programmed to do it. Yes, I agree. I agree with that. Absolutely. But I, but I also agree that I think it's really toxic. Yeah. But and let me ask you this. How many times have you said it to yourself? I could not even tell you. <laughs> quite, a, quite, quite some, quite some times. Listen, this is filter free Friday. Okay. So giddy up because we're going to go in. <laughs> Did you the name on me. Filter free Friday this is amazing. I have no filter to begin with. It's, well, I know. That's what I love about you. I was telling Jen before we started, I was saying, they were like, well, who's your co-host this week? And I said, she's an amazing therapist. I said, she lives, you know, in the Amherst Buffalo area. I go, but she's from Long Island. So she's like this Long Island version of Tinkerbell. <laughs> in the most magical R-rated Disney version. <laughs> the best version, I think. <laughs> and look, I will take that compliment. I really will. Yes. You'll notice that my Long Island accent comes out on like certain words, and a lot of my friends really love to make fun of me for that. So I used to have a friend of mine. She would, I don't remember where she was from, but we would just like tease each other in school, and she would you know, pull the accent, and she'd be like, oh, no, you didn't, Patrick. Oh, no, you didn't disrespect me. Oh, no, you didn't. I'd be like, okay, this is hysterical. Yeah. Yeah, you'll see. It comes out sometimes. It also comes out when I get really excited. I'm, well, I look forward to hearing that. Oh, it'll come out. It probably already has. Yeah. <laughs> So <laughs> someone just asked, can it really be filter-free Friday? You know, we might need to do like a later version to make sure all the kiddos are asleep. Because, you know, sometimes I told you what happened last week, there was a little, um, there was a little Zoom bombing going on, which we don't need to go into because it was a little traumatic for me. <laughs> I would be horrified. Yeah, I but so I guess some people didn't see it, but I, I definitely did. So, you know, going back to that process, Mm -hmm. of you know when we're talking about fake positivity I think it kind of opens up the discussion of when we're in this field how important it is for us to walk our talk oh my gosh yes and I recently had a conversation with someone about the mental health field in general yeah and I don't know what your experiences are but I was amazed I think I shared this when Jamie was on I was amazed at when I entered the field, how much resistance there was by other professionals to get therapy. Mm. Mm -hmm. I and have definitely seen that. 
And, you know, it's one of those things of, you know, as I've developed in my, in my craft and in my, you know, studying and research of learning in my own life of, well, then why the hell am I doing this? Why am I going to, why am I going to have someone come in and trust me? Absolutely. When I can't even do the same thing, you know, and since then I, I have done it, you know, when I need to, when there's that need there, but I was not prepared for that stigma in the field. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I have definitely seen that. Um, I've seen that with, you know, friends of mine that are also in the field. Um, I am very open about being in therapy since I was like literally six, maybe on and off over the years. Um, and I have, there's no shame in that. I really do think that you, we need to know what it's like. And this is kind of like a, a you know, a, an area code, not postal code question. Yes. In like Long Island and from people I've known that are from the city, there tends to be less stigma about being in therapy in some groups. Is that accurate? I, I think so. I do think that in certain areas, it's more acceptable per se. Um, I think in Manhattan, depending on where you are, a lot of things are just super acceptable. Um, but I will say that there, there have been times that I was in the city and my tattoos, for example, mm -hmm. I had gotten like stares and like dirty looks and things like that. People it, feeling like people were judging. Mm -hmm. I got that in Manhattan and you never would have thought you'd get that there. And I've gotten it on Long Island. Um, and I think overall, just people's views of therapy or medication or differences, they vary from place to place. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I could like generalize, obviously, but I've definitely seen that. I've seen a significant change. You know, I'm from the North country and I think growing up we had, it was interesting, you know, I, I, it's, it blows my mind how different it is today. We had one school counselor uh, that was there part-time. Wow. So you would, if you were lucky, you could see if you had something going on, you could see her, you know, maybe every two weeks or every three weeks. Um, you know, outside counseling, I, I don't remember ever really being talked about. Mm -hmm. um, and then as we got older, you know, the, it, you know, it was more, more discussed, but I think today it's just been blown, you know, thankfully out of the water where, you know, it's much more normalized. Yes. Uh, it's funny. I've had situations where there are people that I'm close to who know what I do for a living. Mm -hmm. And I'll say, you know, we're talking about something. And, you know, one of our normal questions is, well, have you thought about therapy? Mm -hmm. And some people are like, oh, well, I have, but I haven't, or it's really difficult. And then some people get offended. Mm. And it's just, it's really mm -hmm. interesting to me of, you know, well, you know what I do, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, absolutely. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely still stigma. Um, and I think that's a huge, huge barrier for so many people. Um, and that's that's something that like, I think all of us who are in the field who have also received our own therapy are really passionate about is like breaking that stigma. Like there's nothing wrong with going to therapy. It's, um, you go to the gym, you go to a yoga class, that's just physical therapy work. Yeah. And I'm, one of my new phrases that I'm going to X out is, well, it's like my friends and family can listen. It's like, mm. it's, that's not what it is. 
because I remember when I started with a new counselor and you know, you're doing the intake paperwork and you're talking and all that stuff, but then you get to talk about some of the things that are, you're struggling with yeah. and then the session ends and all of a sudden, and I had forgotten cause it'd just been a while since I've been in therapy. Yeah. Uh, I could breathe easier. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, wait a minute, someone is there that isn't, that doesn't have the stigma, that doesn't have the bias, that doesn't know me, that is just there for me. And I didn't realize how much I needed that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's different. It's different. There's no, there's no emotional investment in a sense. Like I'm, I'm emotionally invested in the clients. We know that, but it's not like I've grown up with you. I know all the things you've been through prior to this. I've been a part of it. It's just, it's so different. Right. Um, so I just, a couple of people um, are just saying that we need to stop the stigma so that more people are comfortable seeking therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, Sherry is saying, do you think false positivity or resistance to therapy is generally rooted in people's judgment? Uh, you know, and a couple of people were asking, well, what's wrong with that, that phrase, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think? about the about the like the it is what it is you know as the spiritual bypassing and the judgment towards therapy the it is what it is phrase um i've definitely used it i'm not gonna say i, I haven't yes, used it you do. i've never used it with another client because i would never do that but it's so funny that the things i wouldn't say to a client that i would say to myself so that's yep. that's another thing um but i feel like it's just I don't know. I just, I'm not a fan of the phrase. I just feel like it is like dismissive of our feelings or of the situation. Like, I don't know. I I don't, I'm not a fan of it. It just doesn't feel right to me. Right. Well, I don't know if you've ever read the book Mad at America. No. If you ever have a chance and anyone watching, if you ever want to, it was, it's one of those books where you don't want to read it. And when you're reading, you don't want to read it, but you're glad you read it. Okay. Because it, it talks about the history of mental health treatment stemming all the way back from asylums to, you know, psychosis and lobotomies and all of these different things. Yep. So historically, there is such a vicious connotation with he or she is crazy. They're lunatic. You know, all of this, you know, hateful mm-hmm. language that I think, you know, has just been bred into us Mm -hmm. and you know I think the more that we talk about this and the more we fight and the the more we talk about that if you go to therapy it doesn't mean you're crazy I mean that's probably like one of the most common questions I get is do you think I'm crazy yes and depending on my mood when I might be a little sassy I might just say well yeah Because we're all crazy. You know, we're all have that, you know, joking. And sometimes yeah. they're like, oh shit. Oh, I am. I am. But it's also sometimes the situation you've gone through is insanity. Yes, absolutely. And I think as therapists, when we don't own our own crazy or our own issues or whatever you want to call it, like, oh, yeah. I mean, crazy can have that negative connotation to it. But being able to look at, we're all human. Right. We all suffer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I don't, one of the words that I stray very far away from, and my mom knows this, is the word normal. Uh-huh. Um, 
like when people are like, I just want to be normal. I'm like, what is normal? Normal doesn't exist. Like that is one of the words I, I, I'm a big stickler on. But that's another one I think we're taught because when you ask that question, even when you ask yourself that is like, what is normal? You almost never get a response. Because there's no such thing. Uh, but it, it's that grass is greener on the other side syndrome of, oh, we see uh, them. And then, you know, gently about having that discussion of some people hide their pain a lot better than others. Yes. We yeah. never know what is behind closed doors. Absolutely. And I think, you know, when we're talking about the, you know, like the phrase, it is what it is. Again, I'm not going against that because sometimes it is a, it is appropriate. Mm -hmm. But when it's used as a spiritual bypass or as a way to avoid, because the spiritual bypass is basically avoiding the pain. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's what keeps, as you know, that's what keep, keeps people in that cycle. Absolutely. And it keeps them hurting and in pain and then doing the same thing over and over again. Mm -hmm. And then they hit that wall of thinking, of feeling it's never going to get better. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, Megan, uh, some people are saying they appreciate the acceptance of some things rather than trying to put a spin on it, such as fake positivity. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, and, and once again, like this conversation isn't about judging the language of, you know, yeah. it just, you know, my personality, mm -hmm. but for me, it's always that and the people who know me, um, you know, one of my favorite phrases is go deeper. Yes. You do like that phrase. I do like that one. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of your signature phrases. You know, did I tell you? I'm going to come out with a bobblehead. This is my dream. We all have dreams. I'm going to make you a bobblehead. Oh my God. That would be great. It's going to, I'm going to blame it on the pandemic when my accountant is like, what are all these bobbleheads doing? And be like, it was the pandemic. We can write those off. It's a business expense. It's the pandemic. I think it's a new thing. 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Some people lost their shit. Some people overate. I shop for bobbleheads. I mean, I overate. <laughs> Present. I think we need to get that. To, you know, um, we'll get to that in a minute too, because I can totally relate to that. Um, being able to look at and say, I think sometimes we're just. You know what I realized in myself is, I wasn't necessarily doing. I had this experience where something was stressing me out. Yeah. And I didn't realize it wasn't necessarily a spiritual bypassing but it was definitely an emotional avoidance. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, I just took this moment because I could physically feel the, the shift in my body to almost like a depressive feeling. Mm -hmm. And it just wasn't matching what was going on. So being able to just kind of like connect to that, that body and mm -hmm. say, you know, what is this really about? Mm -hmm. it, it was hard because it was painful. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that, you know, with, with your own work. I've, I've definitely experienced that before, for sure. I, um, honestly, like before I did the part one of the EMDR training, cause I had never had EMDR done on me. Um, and when I went to part one, I was so impressed with the, just like the teaching of like being in tune with your body because I've done a lot of work, but I had not done that type of work. And it's really different 
and it really is powerful and special. And obviously that's why I wanted to then do it on other people and be trained in it. But it's so amazing that, I don't know, this is kind of like a little tangential, but like a lot of, I mean, at least therapists that I've seen in the past, and there's nothing wrong with this. I think it's just, it opened my eyes to how important it is to be in tune with our bodies and how hard it is for some people, myself included. It was very hard for me Mm -hmm. in part one to really like go deeper. It was very, very hard for me. Very hard. I'll be very honest about that. Um, But, or, and my best friend and I like to avoid saying, but so that's for you, Jules. Um, And I think it, really helped me understand how powerful EMDR is and how powerful it is to really be in tune with your body. Because I always thought that I was pretty self-aware, aware of my body, aware of just how I was feeling. And I was very surprised at how I was not very right. aware. Um, and I think that's important. Yeah, that, that sounds so profound. Does it? Because I think it sounds pretty basic. <laughs> You're just amazing. I just love you. I think you're just magical. I love you. I really do. <laughs> oh my god, this is so fun. I wore jeans for you. I love well, I like him giddy. <laughs> <laughs> I showered today, so that's what I could have done for you. I mean that in a pandemic. I think it's like it. the equivalent of flowers in 2020 <laughs> pandemic. I'll take it. I'll take it. I love it. I I can completely relate to that. Did I ever tell you how I got involved with EMDR? No. Well, because I had heard about EMDR for years, but then when I tried to learn it, it, it was I, there was no trainings or whatever. And then I had heard a lot of uh, confusing information about it. Mm-hmm. and I was really apprehensive to it and then I was seeing you know I was in therapy and I had told the the lady I was working with at the time I was really resistant to it but then there was this one time where I was getting really stuck on things mm-hmm. and she said can I just try some tapping on you and I said let's dig in mm-hmm. and she just did some tapping on my legs and just really gentle and I was blown away of how much anger came up in my body mm-hmm. and we weren't even taught but then all of the memories came up of certain things that had happened and what blew me away is my body was reacting so strongly to the tapping that I thought she was still tapping on my legs so I just opened my eyes and she had already stood back wow. my legs were just so activated by just that gentle tapping. And I thought, I need to learn this immediately. Oh my God, absolutely. That's amazing. Yeah, it was, just like you said, I I thought I was aware, you know, it's not that I wasn't, but. Right, right. Wow. <laughs> yes, wow. And it's it's so funny, It's I'm actually so happy that you said that because I truly felt a difference in eye movements didn't, activate as much for me as tapping did on my legs um and that i was blown away and i know for some people that's just not feasible for uh certain reasons whatever that may be for them Mm -hmm. Uh, but for me it it truly i had that same experience it was like the moment the tapping started i was like whoa what is happening and it was amazing 
and things moved really quickly. Yes. And it's funny because so many people, and I think when you first learn it, you're so overwhelmed yes. that, you know, you go to, you go to your office and you try to talk about it and you're, you're almost, I think we fall into the trap of, we try to teach our clients everything we just learned. Yes. Oh my God. 100%. And then, then they just look at you and smoke starts coming out of their ears and like, can we just end? Cause this is just creepy now. And I'm like, but it's so good. The tapping, the tapping. And they're like, I don't want to be hypnotized. And you're like, I swear that's not what it is, but I'm explaining it horribly. You're like, Patrick, your eyes are twirl. It's like, it is, you know, it's okay. It's all right. I'm just so excited. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it comes from excitement. It comes from a good place. Yeah. And I think, you know, and you and I have talked about this of our presentations flow and they develop with our personalities. Yeah. And what I find is when we're talking about bilateral stimulation with EMDR, everybody knows what it is mm -hmm. because we've all done it. We just haven't called it that. And one of the things, the two examples that I use a lot is when a baby is crying, what do you do? You pick them up and you rock them. You rock them. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they calm down. Or when you're stressed, sitting in a rocking chair, why is that so soothing? Yeah. Doing the bilateral stimulation and just your whole system can just kind of breathe more efficiently. Absolutely. Um, oh, Amy said go with that. I know. Oh, Amy, we love. Amy, why aren't you on with us? Like. <laughs> We should do another one. But we should. We'll talk. I'll convince her to do it. I'll use my charm. <laughs> Amy, I will even shower twice for you this month. I will too. I and will then too. we'll put on makeup. I'll put on makeup again. I swear. Um, <laughs> so, Ooh, then, um, you know, Lauren is asking about a therapist looking into getting trained in EMDR. If you want to just contact me or Jen, um, you know, I... I can connect you with some great instructors and some different things going on. So if you want to just send me a private message, um, I'd be happy to help you with that. Uh, you know, anyone yes, Lauren, do it. Do it. Lauren's my friend from when I was at University of Pennsylvania. Yeah. We lived in Philly apartments together. Oh, wow. Yes. So Lauren's in. Wait, what area code is that? I don't know. I lived there for like 15 minutes. I don't know. <laughs> Lauren, what area code is that? <laughs> oh, Paula says hi. Hey, Pat. Hey, hey Patrick. <laughs> hey, Paula, thanks for joining us. <laughs> hey. Oh, my goodness. So how are you dealing with, um, Amy says, I would love to co-host. What does it pay? Um, you're spending a night with us. Uh, yeah, More that's all you need. That's Come all on. you need. Excuse me. Can we just keep Go it real for a minute? It's a pandemic going on, Amy. <laughs> Check yourself. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Hey, <laughs> you in love and um, muddy buddies, whatever we made. Puppy chow. No. Um, what did we make? That? We made that. Puppy chow. Is that what it is? Puppy chow? Yeah. See, I grew up calling, yeah, puppy chow or muddy buddies. Muddy buddies. Okay, I don't remember what we called it. Sorry, I don't know what Lauren's question is. Era or area? Area oh, code. Area code. Sorry. What's the area code, Lauren. Come on, Lauren. Hey. Jump in. Join the club. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. She's like, who's this jackass? It's filter free Friday. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, two, 215. Thanks, Sherry. Well, See, how do you know that? <laughs> 
Because it's a mom. Because <laughs> she does everything. Oh my God, everything. You know when you're like, where, where's the milk? And they're like, on the third shelf behind the butter, in the back, underneath the cheese. And you're just like, I didn't find it there. But then you said it, it was there. Oh, no. Or the best one is like, where are your keys? You mean the ones that you lost last night or the ones you didn't put away? Oh, ouch, mom. Ouch. So how are you doing and and processing everything with the pandemic because it is such a huge transition and especially with EMDR which we're all extremely used to being in offices you know the tappers the different things like that how are you doing with everything with the pandemic so it's been it's definitely been a transition that's for sure um i have i'm working from home obviously for both my agency and for my private practice. Um, we're going on week 10, I think we're at. Um, and honestly, it's been, it's been okay. I think it, it took a toll on me for a little bit, just constantly talking about the same thing, yeah. um, which is normal. Uh, oh, I caught myself. I never used that word and I just used it. Caught myself. Um, it was draining for a little bit. I, I had to stop watching the news for a little bit. Like I just did not, anytime like friends or family would like bring it up, it would frustrate me because I just felt like I was inundated with always talking about the same thing because that's what's going on. That's what's happening in people's lives. Like I, I totally understand that. Um, but after a while, I've gotten used to it. I've definitely gotten used to it. Um, what I've been utilizing more so right now um, is more like DBT skills, um, whether that's like with my patients at my agency or some of my private practice clients, um, just because some of them I, I've, and you can tell me, and I'm sure that Jamie would tell me I should, but with like newer private practice clients that like I've never talked to about EMDR, like I haven't even thought about using it with them. Okay. Like, what's your view on with like brand new people? Yes. I knew it. You knew, knew you, were, you knew I was gonna say that. No. Here's the thing. Because I love EMDR. I know. I know. And I love you. <laughs> I, <laughs> it's just like anything. What I've learned, and this is just my own stance on Friday Night Feels, keeping it real. If I'm not at least offering it, I feel like I'm holding something back from my clients that can help them. Yeah. What I have found, one of the resistance in the mental health field is we are so used to talking things out. It's like, oh, I have to be in therapy. I have to be in therapy. I have to be in therapy. And for a lot of issues, EMDR can resolve it so much faster than traditional talk therapy that I think it freaks us out a little bit. Yeah. And some of the skills that EMDR encompasses, especially during something like a pandemic, I think is gives them something so efficient that they can use anytime, anywhere. That's how I look at it. And that, you know, everyone has to practice with, you know, what feels right to their spirit. Yeah. Um, I, I was apprehensive of how, I was actually really sad when the pandemic happened because I didn't know exactly, I, I was very new. I had never done telehealth. Um, right. And, uh, you know, Jamie in, in the, you know, Institute of Creative Mindfulness put together a training for us um, about how to do telehealth. And I, I'm so thankful for them to do that because 
after that day, I knew exactly how to do EMDR via telehealth, and I've been doing it ever since. Mm -hmm. But one of the things, you know, that I would say with love <laughs> is, you know, what's holding you back? Because I, I'm seeing people actually process their issues faster via telehealth. Really? Mm -hmm. it's, it, it's fear. It's fear. I know, ex I know what it is. It's my own fear, not the, not the client's fear. Right. Well, and it, you know what, though? I think that's really great to be able to say that because I know a lot of people I've, I've worked with that do EMDR are afraid of, well, what if there's an app reaction or what if something happens and it's over the telehealth? Mm -hmm. And my, my belief is when you're skilled, just as I know you are, you're going to bring them home. Because people, if they're coming to you, even if it's their first session, they're, they're going to feel that connection and you're going to use your skills and your empathy and all of that, that magic that I know you have to be able to say, it, this, this could be scary. There could be things that come up, but you're not alone doing it. It's not like we're doing, you know, and in any type of therapy, there's a risk of app reaction or a, a negative reaction. Mm -hmm. But that means something's moving. Right. You know, I sometimes look at it like food poisoning. Like we never, when we had food poisoning, I don't know. Like I had it a few weeks ago and I was, and I thought, oh shit, I know what this is, <laughs> but I'm not going to throw up. I'm not going to throw up. I'll be strong. I'll, I'll be okay. Yeah. And then I just let the body do what it needed to do. And I let my ego go and the, the poison was able to get out and then I was able to heal. Right. And yeah. You know, I, I think it's great. I think, you know, for me, being able to acknowledge the fears there, I think that's self-love on your end as a clinician mm -hmm. of saying you're human. This is just what you and I have been talking about. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm going to make, I'm going to, I'm going to vow right here live to start doing it via telehealth. Okay. And you, uh, you know, I got your back. So <laughs> Hello, you're my consultant. Now we're right here, like it's literally a pandemic. We're not going anywhere. Um, so Amy did get back to us. There, oh. she's asking for crockpot pot lasagna. One that doesn't break. Well, in the snow, it looks like something bled out. Um, <laughs> your mom should be quoted. This will be one of my T-shirts when I get rich. I'm the mom. Enough said. Too true. <laughs> Too true. Yeah. Um, Paula is saying she's doing full EMDR with, with new clients and it's going well. Mm -hmm. um, Amy's using it, uh, different things like that. Um, Jamie's saying if you believe in it, you can pitch it. Uh, she has a very on-live demo she did last week that she can send to you. And mm -hmm. sorry, some, um, one of the messages just confused me. Um, but being able to look at it and remember that's the vulnerability of therapy. It's so true. Because when clients are coming into us, they're just as scared as we are sometimes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I don't think we talk about that enough. I, I don't think so either. Yeah. It kind of goes along with that stigma of, well, I'm, I'm a counselor. I have this degree. I have this license. I, I know I, and I, I should know better. Yes. I yep. should know better. As if somehow because 
you know, we're in a certain field that wipes out our humanity. Totally. Yep. Absolutely. And that is something I really don't think that we talk about enough. I don't think so either. And I, I don't know why, because it damages us. And clients know, I mean, clients can tell, you know, that we're human. I, I, you know, the, it's okay. Absolutely. I think clients appreciate it more when we are human, but I think there's this fear of showing your human side. Yes. Uh, and that might also have to do with like an age thing of like feeling like insecure about your age and what your abilities are with a client. And then if you're human, they might see that and question your ability. Right. Well, just me. And then I look at it as then maybe it's not the connection for you. And, okay. and that, you know, I've had someone who wanted someone older or whatever, and it's like, yeah. oh, okay, that's fine. But they tried to force it. <laughs> and I'm like, this isn't like dating. Like, you don't have to go on another date <laughs> just because you think you're supposed to. Like, let's get the check and cut this bitch for what it is. <laughs> 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 I've had like two clients be like, I feel like this is going on a first date. And I'm like, well, let's just see how it goes, you know? And then they're like, this day went really well. I'm like, good. I thought it went really well also. Then I would come out and say, could you give me a good Uber rating or something? Or I don't know. I would say something totally stupid. <laughs> I probably did, but it was like a year ago and I don't remember. But knowing me, I'd go into like full nerd note. I'd either be talking about Star Wars or like essential oils or some random shit. I don't even know. Those are the two things you would talk about. It would just come out. The spirit moves you. You got to move with the spirit. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's like, what are you going to do? <laughs> what are you going to do? You know, other than be, I remember, <clears throat> you know, how hard it was. There is, uh, there's something that happened where I had to show there was a family emergency and I had to cancel appointments. Yeah. And I give credit to my friend Dove, who was sharing offices with me, because it was one of these things these situations where you don't know how serious it is, but you're still in shock that it's happening. <laughs> and I felt this obligation. I'm like, but I can't cancel on my clients because they need me. And I went into her office and I said, so this is what's going on. You know, the, there was an accident. And I said, I don't know what to do. And she just looked at me with the, the most gentle loving. And she said, you need to cancel and you need to leave. Mm -hmm. And then when I called all of my clients, they were, all loving and supportive like hey i hope you're okay you know is there anything you need you know it just it's like it, it strengthened that that community Absolutely. and I, i've noticed that a lot during the pandemic and what i was telling you is um you know for me it was hard to transition to telehealth i've been able to um offer some groups in my you know well anyone in new york <laughs> which i love yeah Oh my God, that's so and one of the things that I have found so beautiful is that there's this great connection of we're all going through this in different ways, but it's affecting all of us. Mm -hmm. Like this pandemic is, we all have different obstacles and struggles and resources and privileges, but this is affecting the human race. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that to me helped me because when this all happened, I was, I was having a hard time. I was trying to, you know, use all of my skills, do everything. And then, um, I don't know if I told you, but this was something happened the other day where, uh, I hadn't seen some family members since this all happened. Like we had communicated. I knew everyone was safe. 
but it was nicer out, so I just wanted to drop something off. And it, it was just, I remember driving to their house and I just had this thought, it was just like a fleeting thought of like, um, I have to put my mask on just in case because I don't want I don't want to be the one to like bring illness into their home. And then seeing them, like, you know, we did the whole, they're on the porch, I'm in the car, whatever, you know, whatever it is. And it was just, it just hit like a ton of bricks. And that, that grief that I had to go through of, I can't even go into family's home. I struggle with that tremendously because my family's not here. Right. My family's either on Long Island or in Manhattan. And I was supposed to go home three separate times. I had three flights, had to cancel them all. And I haven't seen my family since Christmas. Wow. And I, that has been the hardest thing for me because I could drive. I, I'm willing to take a, an eight hour drive down there so I can see my family, but I've been around other people. And the last thing I want to do is God forbid, bring something home to them. Right. So I stay here, you know, and it's hard. It's really hard to be away from family, yeah. you know, but I think it would be harder if I brought something home. Yes. God forbid something happened. Yep. It, it was funny. One of those moments I, w I went to work the other day and just a fluke, the internet went down and that just sent, I was in a couple weird, I was like, oh shit, this is it. It's the end. Now the internet's down. It is the end. It is the end. Oh, yep. <laughs> I had to stop watching like I can never watch a futuristic movie again I yeah. think like you know all of those things like my mind goes into like the red planets explode <laughs> I just can't <laughs> I watch like you know cartoons or you know like the great British baking show or something so good so good well we said we were going to talk about cooking I mean I know it's oh my god shoot I'm going to bake banana bread tonight just as an FYI that sounds delicious um, I'm like a banana bread expert now. I'm an expert at baking it and I'm an expert at eating it. Do you do it with chocolate chips ever? No. I it's don't. such an expert. I don't know if I really want to mess with a classic. Well. I don't know. <laughs> I'm ready yet. <laughs> I think you could try it once and then you would know. <laughs> so do you want to hear about my baking fails? Oh my God. <laughs> I love that, like the pan of muffins I spent, I was making, and then I ran out of milk, so I had to leave. It took me 20 minutes, because you know, the mask and everything, you have to go into the store. Yeah. It tasted like nothing. I was bitter. Well, I was really bitter. This has happened on two occasions. My friend Melissa, who's watching knows, my friend Julia knows, and my family knows. Um, some of my recipes don't call for the right amount of baking powder or baking soda. And so on two occasions now, I've wasted bananas because things have not risen. And so I tried to make mini muffins and they came out like- the user. What'd you say? Is it the recipe or like the baker? It's not the baker, okay? First of all, I don't need quotation marks around that. I am a baker. <laughs> there it is. There's the Long Island Fire. It's coming out. <laughs> oh, no, I told you. Oh, no, you didn't, Patrick. Disrespect me. Oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> it was the recipe, okay? 
it was the recipe. It had the wrong amount of baking powder or baking soda, whatever it was. Yes, I put it in. Yes, Julia says I I keep having banana related baking fails. I wasted so this. That's the hard part. Well, someone just um, I'm going to disagree with this. Libby put in raisins. I, there's this meme out there that says, um, you know, my trauma, my trust issues came from childhood when I went for that delicious chocolate chip cookie and it turned out to be a raisin one. <laughs> that used to happen. Because one of my brothers would come home and my mom would make these. I'm like, ooh, cookies. She never made cookies. I'm like, oh, chocolate. I'm like, son of a. Such a disappointment. Raisins. But you know, to each their own. I won't judge, but really, raisins? <laughs> but really, you are judging. <laughs> hey, it's my show. Get off if you don't like it. I love your show. I like want to be on your show every day. No, so I made these. They were, it was a keto recipe, you know, so I don't like balloon and need to wear like a muumu when I leave the house. You know, it's like to counter out the bread during the week. Yes. And they were coffee, coffee crumb like cupcakes or muffins and i don't know what happened but there was just no no flavor at all it's so sad it was I it was a bitter it. fail it's such a sad moment when you're like waiting when it smells really good you're like so pumped and then you look in your oven and it's a horrifying yeah. disaster i mean i put my life at risk going to the grocery store because we know that's a risk it's a risk. Amazon Prime now. I get deliveries from Whole Foods. Just Brilliant. Saying. Yeah, I got to work on that. No, you really shouldn't. I'm going to tell you right now, the amount of money that I have spent is astronomical. But you haven't spent it on useless things like bobbleheads. So I think Not you're right. still winning. You're winning. <laughs> I spent, I've been getting all these random oils from Young Living and other places delivered. So who the hell knows? At least I smell good if I don't shop. Like, That's all that matters, right? Although no one's around. Rollers. <laughs> it's all about wellness. It's all about wellness. It's whatever works for you. Come on. Yes, and, and some people do like raisins. We're not judging. No, we are not judging the raisins. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. No, I like craisins. I don't eat them anymore because they're super high in sugar. Yeah. But those, those. But you know, I, I find that that food, you know, the food situation, especially during the pandemic has been a trigger for so many people of, uh, you know, I, I've seen the spectrum where some people, you know, have completely lost their appetite, but then other people are really just like, I can't eat enough. Yes. That anxiety, that stress. I don't, yes. have you experienced that or seen that? Uh, yes. One million percent. Um, I have experienced it. I joke around about this, but it's like really actually not that funny. Um, but I have definitely struggled with that. I eat out of boredom, even though I'm like not bored because I'm working all the time, yes. but I like always need to grab something. So that is, that's a big thing for me. Right. Agreed. And it's definitely a thing. I've heard it from clients, patients. I've heard it from friends. You know, I think there's this big push to be like super, like it's, it's all over the place that like you could be baking or you could be exercising or you could be like becoming your best self in quarantine. But at the end of the day, there's a freaking pandemic going on. Yeah. And it's- Get off. 
What'd you say? I'm like, I'm trying to survive. Get off my back. Exactly. Like, it's okay to not, like, be super productive right now. I'm waiting for the zombies. Maybe they won't come. <laughs> I have oils. Maybe we'll, we'll create an oil for that. <laughs> All right. So, Livy is saying it's okay. You're Livy, I'm really not judging you. I'm just expressing my feelings about the raisins. The raisin pandemic battle of 2020. <laughs> so, we'll have to pick this up when Amy's on. So, you know, I just want to thank you so much for coming through. Um, you know, someone is just saying, Samantha's saying, you know, some seeking comfort through food because we're cut off from a lot of comforts right now. I 100% agree with that. I think it also gives us some creativity, some some sense of security. I, I really agree with that. Some sense um, of control, a sense of control. Yeah. There's very little control right now. And, and, and something familiar. I think that's what a lot of us are looking for at least in my experience, of some normalcy. Absolutely. I agree with that. So, unfortunately, we're out of time for today, Sweet Cherub. So fun. <laughs> so, thank you to everyone that watched us for, keep, you know, Friday Night Feels. We'll be back in two weeks, and hopefully in the near future, uh, I will see you again around. This was so fun. I am so grateful that thank you had so me. coming, and thank you for everyone for joining us. Have a good night and stay safe. Bye, guys. Bye. All right, let me just, you know, everyone knows my technological. Oh, that's okay. Take me a minute to, I'm like that. Why isn't the picture going? <laughs> <laughs>